Welcome back to Disclaimers Aside, a bi-weekly podcast where I share the raw and honest stories of people in my community, Disclaimers Aside. I'm your host, Aisara Amadou, and let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Disclaimers Aside. It is officially the second week of 2023. For me, it kind of feels like it's the first week just because my cousin was over for winter break and while she was here, I was definitely on vacation mode. I wasn't really thinking about anything other than just having a good time and spending time with family. So I feel like 2023 for me officially started after she left and I think that was a good thing because it really just gave me the break that I needed before I was ready to start my new year. So these past few days since she's left, I've definitely been getting my life together, setting my goals and intentions for the year. I talked about my new year's intentions in the last podcast episode and something that I've done since that last podcast episode just for me and just to start the new year fresh was actually rearrange my room at home. I've been thinking about doing this for a couple months. Honestly, since the summer, I wanted to just do like a really deep clean of my room, take down my collage wall that I put up back in like 2020 that's very outdated, you know, take down some of the wall art and some of the decor that's very outdated and just kind of minimalize my room a little bit and also rearrange things because I think the original configuration of my room was really nice for the two years that it was, but I feel like the way that I rearranged it now just has allowed my space to be a lot more open and clean and I've just been enjoying it a lot. If you follow me on any of my other social media platforms, you can check out kind of how my room looks like now. I think I I posted a TikTok about it and it's also going to be in an upcoming vlog very soon. But essentially my bed was in a spot where it was kind of taking up the entire room and it was also right when you walked in you would just see my bed taking up the entire room. And so instead I moved it more towards the corner to just create more space in the rest of my room. And I really like the way that it looks. Even though it's not as optimal for filming because before I had like my filming area closer to my windows where a lot of the light comes in. I feel like in terms of when I'm in my room and I'm not filming, it just feels a lot better to be in my room. And I just came to the point where I realized, you know, I can adjust and tweak the way that I create content in my room to optimize the lighting, but I think I should prioritize the actual experience of being in my room. I think your space is really, really important, especially, you know, with this new year, this is the perfect opportunity for you to kind of Look at your space right now. Is it a space that makes you feel at peace? Is it a space where you feel creative and you feel motivated and inspired? Because your environment, your space around you actually has a lot more of an impact on your mental health than you actually may realize. It's kind of like that phrase that people like to say about how your room is a reflection of your state of mind. And so I'm really happy with just the way everything looks. I've been enjoying my new room this past week. It's been a really good change and a great way to start off the new year. So before we get into this week's episode, it's going to be a really fun conversation that I recorded with my cousin while she was here. We recorded it, I think like the second day that she was here, just because we had some downtime. I want to share some of the New Year's intentions that you guys 
submitted over on the podcast Instagram. So if you don't follow Disclaimers Aside on Instagram, it's just Disclaimers Aside. I always have the link to the podcast Instagram in the show notes. About a week ago, I asked you guys, what are some things that you guys included on your guys' 2023 vision board? So I want to share some of your guys' responses. Take this as a healthy reminder that if you haven't really sat down to be intentional and think about what you want for 2023, this is your sign to do it. Create your vision board. It doesn't have to be like a physical paper and glue type of thing. You can just go on Pinterest and find images that kind of embody what you want for 2023. Someone said less screen time. I definitely would love to spend less screen time. I think the best way to do this, in my opinion, is to like take the time that you would actually spend on your phone and intentionally set a different activity that you're going to do in that place. So for example, for me, if I want to spend less screen time on my phone, I want to replace that time with reading because this year I really want to focus on hitting my Goodreads goal. That's kind of something that I've set as an intention in mind. So anytime I have the urge to doom scroll on TikTok or scroll through my Instagram feed, instead I try to pick up a book or listen to my current audiobook. Someone said to cultivate community. When you really focus on your community, building your community, fostering connections within your community, that is when you thrive the most. Or that at least that's when I feel like I thrive the most in my life. Someone else said, moving to my dream city, I... Can't wait for this for you. I think moving is always such a fun and exciting process. And also moving cities is also really, really cool because you're in a completely different environment. It can almost signal like a new chapter for you. Someone else said cutting down my TBR. Definitely trying to focus on my physical TBR this year. My tip for this one is to get a TBR cart. Another person said the Quran, inshallah. This was also a goal that I had. Put it in your Google Calendar so that you remember every week. Another person said traveling. Traveling is always, always so fun. With traveling too, like we always go to the same destinations over and over again. So I feel like it's cool if you can push yourself out of your comfort zone and travel somewhere beyond where you would normally want to go and learn about a different culture that we don't really see. Another person said hoping to get into my dream school. Good luck with this one. I think it's great to have goals and dreams and have dream schools, but just know that you will end up wherever you're meant to be, even if it's not what you foresaw as your dream school. Cut down on my caffeine intake. Thank you guys all for submitting what you guys envision for 2023. I wish you guys the best of luck with all of your goals, all of your intentions for the new year. So today's episode, as I mentioned, is a conversation with my cousin Hodia. She'll actually introduce herself in the interview, but she's, I think, she's 15 years old. So we have like a six-year age difference. Growing up, she was definitely one of the younger cousins. I always saw her as like that annoying little cousin. But I think as we've gotten older and she's definitely matured and done some growing, Our relationship has definitely gotten a lot better. I see her as one of my closest cousins. I had her brother on the podcast last year, if you guys listened to that episode. But basically, growing up, I used to see their family almost every summer. It was back when we lived in Chicago and we would just drive to Kentucky to see them almost every summer. And even in recent years, we've flown to Kentucky to see them quite often. We saw them in Mauritania twice, once in 2018, and then just recently this past summer in 2022. And I feel like in general, my relationship with all of my cousins across the board is very close, especially the ones that live in the US because I see those the most. 
I see my cousins as my extended siblings. I love having close bonds with my cousins. I think especially just living in the diaspora and not being able to be around my culture and my community and my ancestry. Staying in connection with that I think is best done through family and through my cousins. So I don't want to give too much away about the conversation, but let's go ahead and just dive into this week's episode. Welcome to Disclaimers Aside. So excited to be here. Today I'm recording a podcast episode with my cousin Horia. She's visiting us for the second time. Alone this time. Yeah. Came all the way from? Kentucky. Kentucky. We keep making fun of her that she has a southern accent. And I don't hear it, but it's them only. I Funny think it's only you guys. I think it's, yeah, because everyone else that you surround yourself with is from the South. Or the Midwest or whatever you consider where you're from. South. Anyways, introduce yourself and give the audience a two-minute elevator pitch of who you are. It really has to be two minutes. It doesn't have to be two minutes. Okay. It's a phrase. All right. Well, my name is Hodia Ba. I am 15 years old, as my cousins like to say. I'm nine. Really... <laughs> wait, wait, pause. We got to yeah. explain that. Basically, from the ages of like eight to like 14, we thought Hodia was nine. They didn't think. They were just trying to be funny but anyways so i've been nine for a good four years but now you're 15 now i'm 15 so time has you know swung pretty fast but i play sports i play basketball for boone county high school i'm a starter just in case you some of you guys want to know i'm a guard i work at kroger's (laughs) not everyone knows what kroger's Kroger's is is like a ralph yeah or like a stater brothers or like a it's just like a a market a local marketplace i love to game i love sports i love watching sports i like hanging out with my friends really all the fun things you can possibly do you didn't really share about your ethnicity miss oh, ireland ireland okay miss girl much. put the irish flag in her bio <laughs> thinking it was ivory coast because they both look alike but okay. anyways i am according to my dna test i am 42% Senegalese and 40% North African and 1% Nigerian. Only one. Only 1%. But if you want to just know by like words, I'm Mauritanian. My mom's also from Cote d'Ivoire. No, she was born in Cote d'Ivoire and she was, she's Mali. She's from Mali. And my dad is Mauritanian. Yeah. And I'm Fulani. That's really it. Yeah, Fulani Moore. Yeah, Fulani Moore and Molly and at the same time. Yeah, I actually had her older brother on the podcast last year. The episode was... <laughs> it was, I think it was, it was something like pivoting from entrepreneur to football player, or football player to entrepreneur or something like that. But she has three siblings and her older brother yeah, is my I'm age. Middle. I'm the middle child and I'm... I said his younger sister, me and her are about the same age. Older than me by like two years. So. Yeah. Who? Halima. Oh. Halima's the same. Amy and her are about the same. Oh age. yeah, I yeah. I see yeah. your younger sister. Yeah. But you didn't talk about your other two siblings. Do oh. they just not exist? Yeah, I have I have two siblings that are younger than me. Once one is Layla and the other one is Yahya. Layla, she's like two years younger than me and wants to be me so bad. Oh my god. She really wants. To be Stop. Me. She does not want to yes, be she you. She does. That is a joke. Like, no, she wants to be me. And then you have my little brother, who's also my favorite child ever. Favorite sibling? Yes, he's... I love Yahya. I hate everybody else, but I love Yahya. But he's number one on my list. Those are my siblings. And then 
course, my parents. And that's it. Speaking of your parents, how are we related? Oh, we're cousins. Yeah, but how- hey, not too much. <laughs> we're cousins. That's it. Yeah, we're um. Let's just say we're related in more than one way. Yeah, more than one way. But we're first cousins. But we're first cousins. Yeah, my dad and second and, cousins. And second cousins. And maybe you can add a third and a fourth in there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, my dad is related to her mother. They're siblings. Yeah, her dad is my mom's older brother. Yes. Big family. Big family. Okay, so disclaimers aside, what is an unpopular opinion you have? I don't like matcha. What? I hate matcha. Completely hate it. How long have you been hiding this for? Since whenever when you guys came to Kentucky and we went to the Starbucks and we got matcha green tea. Okay, but Starbucks matcha is not like good matcha. I don't care. I just don't like matcha at all. I think we should take you to Chacha Matcha when we go to LA tomorrow and you should try some good matcha. Okay, but yeah, so far that's one of the unpopular opinions I have. And another unpopular opinion I have... It's not Harry Potter related, is it? No. We were just talking about Harry Potter before recording this episode. Yeah. I think Beyonce is overrated. Oh, Rakia said that in her podcast. I think Beyonce is completely overrated. I kind of agree. I think she's a great singer, but she's very overrated. Very, very overrated. Yeah. I think she's, like, fantastic and all, but people just hype her up way too much. What did you think of her newest album? I didn't. My last... The last (laughs) album was... You don't listen to Beyonce. I don't listen to Beyonce. I have one song on replay by her. It's called Brown Skin Girl. That's like my favorite song. I like Surf. Is it Surf or Surfboard? That one song from like 2015? I think it's Surf or Surf. I think it's Surfboard. Yeah, Surfboard. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I think she's overrated. She's not my forte. So last year you finally visited us from Kentucky for the first time. And now you're back a year later. So did California meet your expectations the first time you came here? You know, based on, like, what you see in movies and TV shows, like, what was that like? Yeah, it was, I mean, I thought in movies and clearly and all that other stuff, it's a little different. But when you come here, because, like, we stayed in, like, one part of California. Like, I mean, we went to San Diego and L.A. for one day. and But, like, Orange County, I like Orange County. I think it's a vibe. I like the mall, Irvine. Irvine, is it Irvine? Irvine Spectrum. I love Irvine. She knows. It's, like, my favorite mall in the area. Um, Orange County, it's a small place. But it's definitely pretty. I honestly think we have the best beaches. Yeah. You guys have a lot of beaches around. And they're really close, too. They're not, like, a, a far drive. And the views. You know, it's just a vibe. With all the cafes. Like, we went to Earth today. And I, like, really liked it. And she we was trashing on Earth the other I day. I was not trash. Okay, because it was time. in L.A. We went. We walked by the Earth Cafe in L.A. last year. And it was then bad. She said it was bad. So she didn't want to go back. It looked trashy. But I told her the Earth Cafe in Laguna Beach is different. Yeah, but, yeah, Laguna Beach is definitely one of my favorite beaches here. The view is just spectacular. You should see it at sunset. We need, we're going to go to the beach before you leave at sunset. Yeah, we definitely got to do that. But California will meet my expectations to go snowboarding. You have snow in Kentucky. I'm so? Like, snow, it's not like, not not something you can surf on. <laughs> surf? Board, not something you can board on. Do you guys have mountains? Yes. Like in, like down next to Tennessee. Oh, so the south. The south, yes. Okay. South the south, south. Yes, we have mountains. I mean, haven't you heard of the, no, never mind. Okay, let's go back to the beginning and talk about your background. What was your childhood like being born and raised in Kentucky? Kentucky is like a second Mauritania to me. Because like, I feel like half of the Mauritanians migrated from <laughs> they literally all go to Kentucky yeah, or so, Cincinnati. Yeah, so it's like it's that area, like Florence and like Cincinnati, that whole area is just crowded with 
Kentuckys. And then if you go further into Ohio, you get the Fulanis. So it's just like... Wait, so are you short. saying that Kentucky is, is more more and then all the Fulanis are in Cincinnati? Yeah, so Kentucky's like... Nuak shot and then like <laughs> and then like Cincinnati's like Baba Bay. Baba Bay yeah. So literally like you know, you get everything. So like a lot of my friends that live down there, there's a lot of kids that are my age and are now my besties. But yeah. Since there's a lot of Mauritanians in Kentucky, in school when you tell people you're Mauritanian, do people know what Mauritania is? No. Or like they recognize it? No. Because most of the Mauritanians over there they just say they're North African. So we never really say we're from Mauritania because when we say we're from Mauritania, they're like, oh, where's that? And then you got to explain where that is and they act like they know where that is. But But they don't. Like you'll say it's right under the Sahara Desert and they'll be like, oh, yeah. It is in the Sahara Desert. No, but it's like kind of right under. Mauritania is a part of the Sahara. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Okay, whatever. It's a part of the Sahara. But I just say like south of Morocco, north of Senegal, but some people don't even know what Senegal is. Yeah, so I just say I'm North African. I mean, Northwest African. Northwest. We yeah. don't want that argument right now, anyways. Actually, I was asking my dad, like, is Mauritania considered North or West Africa? He was like, there's both. there's a lot of people that include, you know, like that one Instagram page, the West African community? Yeah. Mauritania's on there. Yeah. But you'll see a lot of TikToks with Mauritania on the North side as well. So you just got to call it both, to be honest. Because It's because it's a mix. Right. Because Nuakchot is like cut in half. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. I honestly just think that it's both. The thing is, there's a lot of, like, ethnic tribes in Mauritania. Right. So, oftentimes when you're Moor, you're considered North African. If you're Fulani, you're considered West African. Right, and all the But then we're mixed, so... Right, and all the Bilan over there just want to be called Arab so bad. So. They really do. It's so, so bad. It's yeah. a, It's truly a disease. Right. But, anyways, what is one of your favorite childhood memories? 2018 in Mauritania. That was a childhood memory? Yeah, I was a child. Yeah, you're right. You're still a child. I forgot. I mean, actually, I... Okay. I actually loved all of my childhood. That's good. Yeah. That's a good thing. I don't think there was a bad part of my childhood besides breaking my arm. <laughs> Other than that, I don't think there was a bad part of my childhood. Because like, I'm like a adventurous kid. Like, I love outside. Like, I hate being inside. And I feel like I've been all like that my whole life. But yeah, I would say I'm an adventurous kid and I hate the inside. I love the outside. I'd go out and play every single day. After school, you'd always see me outside until like Maghreb and then I like go inside. And then we play like manhunt. I don't know. What is that? Is it like tag? (laughs) No, it is kind of like tag, but tag in the dark. So basically, where you split the groups in half, there's like, there's at least, it's only fun if you have like more than 10 people playing. So you split in half. This is indoors? This is outdoors. Oh. You split in half, and it only happens in the night. So you have a group of people. You have, like, a strip, a part of a neighborhood, and you just play in that part, and there's bounces. It's like tag. Mm-hmm. And one group is seeking, and the other group is um hiding. Hunting. Yes. So you get a minute to hide, and basically you just got to find the members. But it's oh. at night, so it's hard. It's harder. Oh. You can hide. Yeah. It's... Do you have flashlights, or you're just no. raw dogging? You're just raw dogging. Dang. Yeah. That's crazy. It's fun. But yeah, honestly, I'm... you're lucky because this neighborhood that we live in, not even that, like my childhood, like living in, growing up in Chicago, we lived in a neighborhood that had no kids. So it was really sad. Everyone was either like really old or just like a new couple. Yeah. And then when we moved to San Diego for a year, I was so happy because there were so many kids in the neighborhood. So that was really fun. That was honestly like the highlight of my life. And then coming to Orange County, I just feel like the culture is like people just stay in their houses. Like people don't. Like, kids play outside, but it's not as 
You got that bougie like Truly, it's a disease. In Kentucky, the kids are in the streets. Yes, like our neighborhood was filled. Like I don't know if you still know about our. No, I remember because I used to when I would come for the summers as a kid. Like I used to love it. Yeah, but the neighborhood that we're in right now, it's full of old people. So like it was me and my friends, like Allie and them, that one house with kids in it, Mm -hmm. and then it was my house, and we hang out every day. Everybody knew us as those annoying kids, (laughs) but we didn't care. Like we would trespass. Manhunt, yes, you would go into other people's properties and you would hide. That's and if wow. the call if the if the police was called on us, you'd be like, Oh, they're just kids. Not so the like, twelve being So like called. it wouldn't it wouldn't matter. You know, and then the, I love the fourth of July in Kentucky. Fourth of July in Kentucky is actually like cute. I like it's it. It's so fun. Fourth of July in Kentucky is such a vibe. No, like, because they're actually patriotic. Yeah, we're crazy down there. Redneck City, you gotta come visit. So do you feel connected to your Mauritanian culture and how would you say you stay in touch with it living in that in the diaspora? Every day, every single day of my life, my mom is surrounded with Mauritanian people and my mom is but yeah, we, we usually go out all the time to my mom's friend's house and I wear the melehba all the time. So cultural like their clothes I always I always feel connected. We eat Mauritanian food every day at the house. So, so. <laughs> hey, at least you guys get to stay connected to your culture. Anyways, but yeah. And you speak Hassania. And I speak Hassania, another thing. Yeah, I'd say I feel really connected. Like, there's always that one string attached. Like, I, like, I, don't, I don't think I'll... The only... Like, I feel like that string will unattach when I leave Kentucky completely. No, actually, no. I don't I'll think never, so. I don't I'll think so. I'll never have, like, a detach from the Mauritanian culture because I speak the language. You speak the language as long as you go back to Mauritania. And I enjoy going to Mauritania, so... You are probably the most cultured out of the cousins living in the diaspora. Definitely. Who would you say is the second cultured, most cultured? Oh, not this. Second most cultured? Like, out of the ones that live here? Yeah. Definitely not Salah. Salah. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, Salah, if you're gonna watch this. <laughs> Um, definitely not Abdullahi. Abdullahi he has God. the potential to because he speaks Hassania. His Hassania sucks. Is it really it's bad? Like a, a three-year-old trying to speak. It's better than mine. Okay, yeah, but it still sucks. Poor I feel like you then. Here's the thing. I think it's a mindset is the thing. Because even though, okay, I don't speak Hassania or Fulani, but I understand both completely. Mm-hmm. I can speak Hassania broken. I can speak broken fulani it's like broken hasenia you know my hasenia is so bad i know like test my... me on something okay hold on before I, before I test you on something my hasenia is considered bad so your hasenia is definitely yours bad. is considered yeah, bad my is broken if my hasenia is no. considered broken you can speak full sentences i can speak full sentences but i like mess up a lot okay well okay you want me to like test you okay give me something in english to say and then okay, i'll translate um... it Wara, what are you eating for lunch today? Tish, um, dokli <laughs> yom. It's so We're bad. Done. We're done. We're How done. do you say it? We're done. <laughs> like, you don't want to really put genders in. Yeah, I know. So, okay, okay. Like, yeah. you don't want to put tish, token, or chi. <laughs> That's like saying, what are you? Like, I said, what are you eating That's today? the thing. My English brain is just like translating it. Yeah, I know. The way it would sound in english yeah that's the problem with but that. the thing is if you give me something really complicated in hassania i can tell you what it means yeah 
When do you get off of school? Yeah. So that's the thing. I don't know. I feel like for me, culturally, like I don't speak the language. Growing up, we ate more a lot of Mauritanian food, but I think as we got older, my mom stopped making as much Mauritanian food. And then obviously I went to college, so I'm further away from it. But I think the mindset aspect comes into play of like, if you're invested in learning about your culture, if you're invested in like being surrounded by your community, yeah. if you want to go back home and visit your family and just like be immersed in the culture, that's what helps you keep in touch with your culture at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, I agree with And you. that's the case with your brother is like he grew up, you know, in the same exact environment as you, but he didn't have that as that same mindset of I want to be I want to remain connected to the culture. Well, yeah, and something that not a lot of people know Actually, like, if, let's say we switch, no, actually, no. I have a lot of American friends, a lot of American friends, but I also have a lot of Mauritanian friends. I feel more connected and more understanding with my Mauritanian friends than I do with my American friends. Like, I'd rather hang out with my Mauritanian friends than go hang out with my American friends. Unless it's the ones that I grew up playing with. I feel like if you were there, I feel like it'd be the same thing, too. Because I just mm. feel, like, more connected to the Muay team. Because not a lot of Americans really understand me like that. Mm. Like, all they know is, um, oh, like, my friend came over one day, and she was like, oh, you eat sheep head? Because like, <laughs> she saw, like, a goat, not a goat, a sheep in, like, our house. Yeah, like, yeah. You eat sheep head? And then she goes around telling everybody, oh, you eat sheep head? And they all ask me, you're weird, you eat sheep head. Yeah. So, like, I feel more connected with my Mauritanian friends than I do my American but, Wait, so at school, when you're when when it's not your Mauritanian friends, your friends are tend to be white, predominantly white. I have actually no, I have a lot of black African American friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, not really. Yeah, black friends. I have a lot of. I have both. I have a lot of both. Most of my basketball team is actually. Well, we got like five percent that are black, and then the rest are like white, including me. So. I could you could say Boone County one of our is one of the most diverse schools in the uh the district. We have a lot of Hispanics, Asians, Africans, hella Muslims, and Somalians. A lot of Somalians. Somalians. <laughs> Everyone thinks I'm Somalian. Really? Yes. I go to work and there's there's like these Somalian women who try to speak to me, and the only know the only word I know in um Somalian language is Kale. What is that from here? Oh, yeah, I, dude, when I'm at Berkeley, everyone thinks I'm Sudani. Oh, I get that a lot too. Even the Sudanis, yeah. I get Ethiopian, Sudan, and um, Somali a lot. I, I could kind of see. Actually, you do low key have East African features, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. They say a lot, a lot of people say. I mean, I don't really see it with the forehead. Cause... Not the forehead, okay, but I see the, like, I could see Ethiopian. Yeah, but a lot of people think I am. You always gotta correct them. And a lot and the funny thing is a lot of people didn't think I was Muslim until I started reading the hijab. Really? Yeah. Actually I got I the same say. thing. Pretty much everyone assumed I was just African American. Yeah. Like people didn't assumed, even Yeah. Everybody assumed that I was Arab for the longest time. Like in till then. Yeah. So they assumed that I was Arab and then I started wearing the hijab and like, Oh, you're Muslim? I was like, yeah, I'm Muslim. <laughs> with a Z? Yeah, with a Z. No, when so they say like, Islam or Muslim, oh, that really... like, do you eat Muslim food? And that just cringes me so much. No, I can't. And okay. And like, when they try to say, oh, you speak you speak Arab? They ask you that? Yes. They ask me if I speak Arab. Or do you speak African? No. No, it's not a country, bro. Like, yeah. 
What would you say are your favorite and least favorite aspects of living in Kentucky? Favorite aspects of living in Kentucky is I'm surrounded by Mauritanian people. Least favorite aspect. I mean, least favorite aspect is Covington is my least favorite aspect. What's Covington? Covington, uh, Kentucky. The projects. The projects? You know what projects? What were you doing over there? Yeah, I know what that is. What do you mean, what was I doing over there? What were you doing in Covington? Covington is like... Oh. In the area. I meant more like socially, culturally. Oh. Not necessarily like geographically. Oh. You would like think that Kentucky has racism. Like raging. Because we're, of course, the red. The South? It's, yeah. yeah. It's the South. Mitch McConnell? Yeah. 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 You would expect that, but I I don't think I really ever came across racism in Kentucky. Really? Yeah. I think it's just because the area I live in, Florence, but I've never across a racist person in Kentucky. Interesting. Never. What would you say is your favorite aspect of Mauritanian culture? The clothes. And least favorite aspect. Oh, the, the clothes, clothes is your favorite? The dance. Okay, question. The dancing? Yes. Love the dancing. The music. The music. Okay, stop. The music is non-existent. Like, I always tell people, Mauritanian music, there was so much good music, like, our parents' age, mm-hmm. but nowadays there's no new music. The beat. The beat, not oh, the, the drums. The okay, drums yeah, yeah. is fire. That's, those are probably one of my favorite aspects of Mauritania. So do you like more Fulani clothes better? I don't know. I like both. But I, I don't really wear Fulani clothes. Yeah, why? I don't know. What happened to that? Because my mom like would get me these ugly ones. Dude, I gotta show you my Fulani Pinterest board after we record. I'm serious. I'm serious, dude. Once I show you, you're gonna wanna order some Fulani clothes. I mean, clothes. I like Fulani clothes. Like, don't get me wrong. I like Fulani clothes, but my mom just never really got me, like... Every single time I get Fulani clothes, I get ugly ones. Like, the thing is, you have to be really careful because you have to, like, tell them exactly what you want. And sometimes, even if you tell them exactly what you want... You don't really get it. It comes out looking yeah, completely different. Yeah, I know. That's what's... Yeah. But I love the Melechta. I used to hate it. Yeah. I remember in 2018 when we went to Mauritania... Horia got in trouble because she was like, I will never wear the Medifa. And then fast forward, three, four years later, literally see her wearing Medifa in America, which is like not common in the diaspora. Because Mauritania is literally like Kentucky. And if you don't wear the Medifa, you're going to get clowned so hard. That's, I don't know how people wear the Medifa in the US. It's huge. That's a, oh, like stores and. Yes. That's, wow. That's crazy. They don't care. They don't understand what anybody says and they don't care. No, literally, quite literally. They don't care what anybody says. That's so. crazy. I love the metaphor. Your mom does it. No, I know, but she doesn't care. And she's been doing it her whole life, so she yeah. feels comfortable in it. Right. But people our age, you know, people that were born here wearing uh, the metaphor, that's... I don't know how people have, have the are courage. You, are you talking about, like, Bahanam? Yeah. Like, okay, those were born in Waitak. They were born in Waitak. That's true. So you can't really... There's I don't, I don't think I know anybody besides me, my generation of people. That's where you can really... I mean, there's one, Zahra. Hmm. Zahra wears the Melifa with the bomb. She wears it to school. That's crazy. She's insane. I would never wear the Melifa to school, ever. No matter <laughs> no, how literally. many money somebody You'd have to me. put a... Even if you put a gun to my head. I will never wear the Melifa to school. That's just... No. Unless it's a pretty one. Like, I don't know. I just don't have enough courage to wear confidence. Yeah, no. Not enough. What is a misconception you feel like people have about Mauritania? You know those images on Google? Like when you search up Mauritania, you just see hella fat people. I know. No, because, come that. on. No, because Mauritania. That. Yes, but. That was years ago, Isita. 
no that to this nice. day you're right you're right people have gotten skinnier Those over are the, the years 70s. do you not see all the women like on social like i'm telling you most of the social media stars in Muay Thai are all skinny but have you seen Mauritania reels like yes. do you follow them on instagram yes yes okay this is okay the reason why this stereotype exists is that in Mauritania, the beauty standard is Fat. is being overweight Thick. yeah everywhere yeah Even like your toes so in mauritania until recently i think some people still continue this practice but until recently they used to do force feeding where they would mm-hmm. force feed young girls when they were like babies so that they would be larger let me give you they would the be overweight exact act, the exact like image of what they would do so they would sit and there'd be like three women next to you and they would all have like a huge bowl of like bossy or they would have a huge bowl of like milk straight cow milk and it would make you drink it and if you puked it you would have to drink it you know what i'm saying so you would drink you drink they give you a break and then you keep doing it yeah basically force feeding you so then you can gain weight and just fit the beauty standard and yeah because apparently that's what men liked but i'm telling you if you get fat right now Mauritania, you're not gonna find no man unless he's 50 years older than you oh my god Stop. No, because I think back then it was kind of like a sign of wealth is what it was. Yeah. Is that you're not, you know, hungry and poor like the right, rest of us. They would just want to like, sell your, your kids. Oh, get the nuts, nuts, bread, like milk. dried up bread. They would put milk with it and they would like whisk it and it like make you chunky. But yeah, if you look it up, to this day, if you look up Mauritanian people on Google Images, that's what, it's that's kind there. of the image you'll but see. that's not what we look like now. No, people, people have tried to kind of change their attitudes, but I will say some of the older aunties and like grandparents None and everything, they still be like, need to gain a little weight here and there, like. None of our sides. I feel like that'd be grandma. I feel like grandma would make us eat. Yeah. But she likes chunky junk. This is kind of going back to what you were talking about earlier, but. You've been a hijabi for a few years. What was your experience putting it on in the U.S.? Give it to us all. All the tea, everything. Just be honest. So, growing up, I mean, I don't know how isolated it, but I went to a a school with, like, so I, like, you know how I'm surrounded by Mauritanians. I still never went to a school with a Mauritanian. Like, I never went to a school with a Mauritanian. So, I felt like it was... I don't know. I didn't. I didn't want to wear it. Like I never wanted to wear the hijab, and I felt forced, very forced. Like everybody, like I'm telling you, everybody from Mauritania was telling me to wear it. Everybody in mm, Kentucky who was Mauritanian was telling me to wear it. My mom was telling me to wear it. A lot of people wanted me to wear it, and I just never. Felt Not your dad, though. My dad, no. Which dad. is interesting because there's this huge stereotype where about Muslims, where it's like, oh, your dad your forced dad. you to wear that. Yeah. No, my dad actually, no, my dad never forced me. My dad's one In fact, to this day, her dad will call up my mom and be like, tell your daughters to stop wearing the hijab. Like, they don't need to wear that. Yeah, my dad, my dad doesn't really think, you know, that the hijab is mandatory, but that's, that's something else. That's his opinion. That's what he believes. We're not going to get into that. But yeah, so I've always struggled trying to wear it. And I remember first day of high school, I came around and I was determined to wear it just for my mom not for me and the first day came around and I remember I came up to my mom's room and I was like I'm not ready to wear it and like I started tearing up and she was like because I feel like I failed her because like you know Mauritanians are always gossiping about something because I didn't want my mom to feel like she was being gossiped and talked about oh she raised this child so now I'm gonna wear the hijab or anything so 
I remember waking up the next morning, and I left the house with Dr. Hijab, and I went to my friend's because I rode the bus with them. And I remember running back home and wearing the hijab for the first day of school. I wore it. Everything felt fine. And then I started wearing it continuously, and now I wear the hijab. So really, it was, it was hard, but... Wait, so did you not really want to wear it when you first put it on? No. Okay, and it then you just... It took me a couple... took me a couple months to actually wear it. Now I wear it. Okay. Now, I, now I can't. Now I'm, not, I'm never taking it off. Okay, interestingly enough, from my perspective of things... First of all, I never, like, told you to put it on. You I never... You were just... You never, I would just wanted to know the tea. Because I heard... I heard all... I hear, I hear from the grapevine, oh, Korea's not wearing the hijab, whatever... And mind you, in our family, not everyone wears the hijab. Right. Like Even in Mauritania, family. like not everyone wears the hijab in exactly. Mauritania either. Half it's, of family doesn't. It's actually like it kind of boils down more to your like ethnic tribal identity. Cause like oftentimes, like if you're more and you wear the 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 malfa, that comes with the hijab with it. If you're Fulani, most of the times like Fulanis tend to not wear the hijab, but recently they've been starting to like I've been seeing more and more yeah, Fulani's actually putting just, the hijab on. The hijab. But for the most part, they don't. And we're mixed. So we're both like, we have mixed. Right, we have more and Fulani, Fulani in our family. And so even within our family, like amongst our cousins, not everyone wears it. Like our other first cousins don't wear the hijab no, either. They don't wear it. So I think the pressure really does come a lot from like the Mauritanian community, especially because you grew up in Kentucky. You know, all the Moors in kentucky out here like talking bad about the fact that you're not wearing yeah i got a lot of talking from kids like i'm telling you every single time i go to a mauritanian house i always get that talk and sometimes i would even like i was frightened to get in the call with my mom and the thing with the mauritanian community whether you're in the u.s in the diaspora or back home is like everyone knows everyone it's literally five million people you know in this country and so if you do something shady the whole country will find out about right. it eventually. Right. So, you know. I personally think that when you wear the hijab, like, it should be for you, just for you. It's for you, definitely, and for God. But I never, never had that, but now I do. You know, it took me a while to process and really think it through. So, but yeah, I still think that I shouldn't, shouldn't have been forced. But I understand what my mom's point of view was. My experience was different. I personally started wearing the hijab at 11 or 12. I can't remember, but it was in sixth grade. It was a choice for me. Obviously, my mom wanted me to wear the hijab. Definitely my mom, more more so than my dad. Because my mom grew up wearing the hijab and she comes from that cultural background. So she always raised us with like, you know, once you get to a certain age, you're going to put the hijab on or whatever. And then when I got my period in sixth grade, I was so excited to wear the hijab. And then I think I got it at a time in like January and I wanted to start wearing it right away but my mom told me to wait like a couple months to like practice wearing the hijab first before fully putting putting it on yeah I never got that sadly (laughs) at first I would wear like t-shirts and then I would wear the hijab sometimes like when I would go out I'd wear it to Sunday schools like I'd wear it for a day and then after like a month or so I told my mom like I was like I just want to start wearing the hijab I don't know what it was I just personally like really wanted to put it on and then I put it on in like sixth grade. And then 
I mean, talking to my sisters, I, I can't speak for my youngest sister, actually, but I told, talked to Rucky about this recently and she was telling me that she just kind of put it on too because she saw that I put it on. And so she was like, oh, okay, like I never if, had that picture. if I sit up, put it on, like I have to put it on now. After a period of time, like there's just, once you put the hijab on, like you can, like, never you can take it off, but like you're going to look like a clown right. if you take it off. And like, I really don't just see myself taking it off because like what? Like I went through all this pain truly it's like growing pains for years figuring out how to dress figuring out it's an adjustment but i'm glad that i wore the hijab at the age that i wore it because i didn't look like an idiot me too because if i had started because you know i know a lot of people who start either in high school or they start when they're 18 or they start later in life yeah imagine going through that ugly duckling phase when you're in high school or right i never did that so i was glad because i don't I don't really wear stupid stuff to high school, so... Being black and Muslim in Kentucky, did you ever experience any microaggressions or even blatant racism? Especially, like, after putting on the hijab. No. I truly can't believe that's your answer because I definitely experienced a lot of microaggressions and blatant racism, and that was just me growing up in Orange County. Orange County! This is why! Orange County! Orange County's worse than Kentucky. How? No, because Kentucky is, like... The Midwest, the South. I know, but I'm just telling you, like, I've never experienced it. I think you're privileged, then, to not have not experienced it. When I interviewed your brother last year, he was telling me the opposite, that he experienced a lot of racism. And I think it's interesting because when you look at him, because... He looks like he's black. He just looks black. So he he, he would just navigate the world experiencing that single level of racism. But for us, it's like we experience racism because we're black and then we also experience the microaggressions because we're muslim also the oppression the added level of oppression being a woman so i don't know that's interesting that you haven't experienced nope that. Not that's good that's good maybe when i was a child yeah but not that i know of right now okay where do you see yourself in five years so you'll be 20 graduating years old graduating college you'll be not 20 only, i mean i mean graduating high school um i don't know what college i want to go to yet i'm thinking about just staying next to home honestly UC Cincinnati, I was thinking about going there. UC, would you commute? Would I commute to UC, UC Cincinnati? Hell yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah. Why not? I mean, it's. I mean, to be honest, I'm not really a big. Oh, I want to go to the biggest college in the U.S. No, like I'm gonna graduate. And I'm gonna freaking become. Why a, not Harvard? I don't. What am I gonna <laughs> waste my time at Harvard? No. Waste your time. I want to go to Harvard. I'm just kidding. Harvard is a joke. What Harvard about- is a cl- Harvard's clown. What? No, I never said Harvard is a joke. I said going to Harvard is a joke. I don't care. That school's clown. Like, what? I'm not paying that much money. And I just want to stay home, close to the house, less bills to pay, less stress. I'm going to graduate. I'm going to get my degree. Like, no matter where I go, I'm going to get the same degree. Oh, my God. I went to Harvard. Oh, my God. No. I don't want that. So, I honestly... That's a smart thing to do. Yeah, because I feel like everybody wants to go to these big high school colleges, but I just want to get over with. Like, I just... Take me somewhere else. Like, I don't care. Okay. Well, I hope you travel. I will least, definitely travel. And you leave Kentucky more. Like, I as you get older. As I get older, I will definitely. I want to travel the world. Because it's important to see more of the world yeah, than I've just... I've seen a lot of the world. I've seen... Really? Yes, I've seen a lot of the world, actually. I've seen here, Kentucky, clearly, Tennessee. I've been to... Um, what else have I been to? New York. Virginia. You've Virginia. been to New York? Yeah, I've been Even to New York. Even I haven't been to New York, York yet. I went to... 
since uh, not Cincinnati, I mean Chicago, Cincinnati, Ohio, which is there. I've been to North Shot. I've been to Dakar, which is Senegal, basically. I've went to Morocco. I've been to uh, what else have I been to? France. The colonizer. Yeah, the colonizer. I've been to. I didn't really Istanbul. Okay. I pretty much went to a lot of places around here, so. No, that's good. But like, I want to like actually go in there. I want to explore. Explore more, yeah. I want to. I definitely want to travel the world. That is definitely on my bucket list for when I grow. Inshallah. Well, inshallah, yeah, I definitely want to travel. I want to be a dentist. I want to be a pediatric dentist. Maybe you and Rafia can start a practice together. In five years, I'll be twenty. Yeah. I don't know if a lot of people know, but I want to get married at the age of twenty-three. You're still on this, Hoodies. I want to get married. That is so Mauritanian of you. I feel like... No, it's not. Mauritanians get married at the age of 16, 17. Are you crazy? <laughs> I want to be I want to be married. I want Yo, to be, it's the... I want to be married at the age of 20. 20 wanna, 23 is the old 16. Tw- I, no, so, I think 23 is a perfect age to get married at. I don't want to oh. live. Like, I want my, like... Whoever I'm getting married with, my fiance or whatever, I want they, I want them to like be in school too. Like we're both in school, we're both like focusing on what we want to do, but we're like I'm married. Like I just feel like that's a great age. Like if anybody wants to, this I personally you know. think once you hit twenty, you're gonna change your mind. No, I'm pretty, I'm pretty like standard. I'm pretty like determined. Twenty three is crazy. I'm twenty one right now. You know that, right? Yeah, definitely. Luela is twenty three. Okay, maybe not or married, 22. but like. 23, I want to be married before, probably after 23, but before 26. In that range. Really? In that range. Yes. I don't want to be 30 years I old think, getting married. I think the earliest, not to put a number on things, because I don't believe on, in putting a number on okay, things. Okay, not like But married. the earliest I would do, I would get married is probably 25, 26. Yeah, no, I not like even. A... Nothing earlier than that. Never. Nothing earlier than 25, no. 26? Like, I think okay, 26 is my least, min. Maybe at least, like, have my... Ne- what is it called? Nikah? Nikah? Nikah. Nikah is married. Nikah. Okay, That's like, married. Like, Islamically, you are married. You are cuffed. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people say marriage as, like, oh, you gotta sit in my house. You gotta do this, do that. No. You could be married and do your own thing. You know, right. You guys are ready. Finish college. Both of you finish college. There you go. You're done. That's you true. don't got a freaking because I feel like a lot of people, when they're in college, they try to find the perfect fit while they're in college, mm-hmm. and it's just very difficult. As someone who's in college, <laughs> lower your expectations. Why? Lower your expectations. Why? Because I think, I just feel like you should just first of all you should be, you're in college to focus on school. Right. Second of all, the world that you're in when you're in college is so limited. Second of all, my philosophy in life when it comes to this specific subject is do your thing, hustle, get your degree, build your life, and then add someone to your life. Because when you already put yourself in a place where you are with another person and you guys have to share a life technically, or you're, you're, you're heading in the direction where you're going to merge your lives, you are inevitably going to make compromises or sacrifices in order to maintain maintain that relationship right you're right and i i wholly believe that you should spend your 20s putting yourself first like building your life building your independence especially as a woman especially as a muslim woman especially as a mauritanian woman in america like you need to build your life and then think about the other stuff later okay maybe at least think about being getting married sure sure at least that sure at least that because I'm not going to spend that time that much time. Because dentistry is what, like eight years? 
I think total, it's yeah. like four years of undergrad and then four years of dental school. Right. Okay, yeah. so I'll be done of undergrad in... What? Inshallah, 22. 22. For another four years, what is that? 26. 26. Right. Yeah. So once I'm done with that, I can get my job and I can get married. Okay. I could be rich. All the power to, all the power to you and I better be a bridesmaid. Mm-hmm. You wish. I'm sorry, but... I'm not coming if I'm not a bridesmaid. My bridesmaid can't be 10 years older than me. <laughs> okay. Okay, okay, stop. Yeah. That was uncalled for. Pick up the nine-year-old. Yeah. No, girly. I'm just telling you right now, you heard it You heard it first on disclaimers aside, I will not be showing up to the wedding unless I'm a bridesmaid. In fact, in fact, if, if anyone other than Layla is the maid of honor... Layla would never be my maid of honor. Then it better be me. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. That's hilarious. I'm, I'm just saying, on God, you'll be somewhere in there. I'll be either. You'll be, you'll be somewhere. Maid of honor or a bride. Maid of honor is usually the besties, the best friends. No, usually it's your sister, actually, because you have multiple friends, right? But you only have one sister typically. So usually it's like your one sister that you have, or your closest sister, and then maybe, maybe your mate. Daddy, Roddy, Layla. Either way. But yeah. So yeah, that's why. I'm, and I want to get married in nineteen years too. It's funny because that's so opposite of what your brother said what would he say when i asked him last year when we recorded where do you see yourself in five years he was like i want to be free i don't want to be married i want to just be traveling the world he's never he i don't think he wants to get married i don't think so either and all the power i don't think he is to be honest but it's just funny how obviously (laughs) okay anyways enough about him so where can they find you on social media oh of course like what Come on, you guys need, really need to follow Horia. Like, Yay. she's actually posting content. Yeah, my Instagram is Horia underscore da, which is da, like the name. But yeah, you guys can find me there on my Instagram. And also go to my TikTok. Like, what? I'm at a thousand. Like, I need to, I need to get more. My TikTok is Horia Horia, but with two A's in the last Horia, so it's Horia dot Horia Horia. Make sure you write that down. What? I'll put it in the sh- okay, in the show cool. notes. But why the two Horios on the TikTok handle? Because I got tired of Horia, just like one Horia. Oh. So I put like Horia Horia, but with two A's. Like, look. Oh, you do have a thousand followers. That's actually a lot. Yeah, I That's know. That's really good. Yeah, I know. That's really good. Thousand good for you. Followers. Anyways, check out her social media. Keep up with her on there. I you can also. Sadly. Why do you say sadly? That's your community. That's your people. Because. Thank you so much for being on Disclaimers Aside. You're welcome. I was probably the most entertaining person. Mm, I don't know about that one, but. So I hope you guys enjoyed this week's podcast episode. Make sure to check out the show notes for any of the links that I mentioned and make sure to go follow Huria over on her Instagram and her TikTok. I'll have all her social media linked in the show notes. Also, make sure to follow Disclaimers Aside on the podcast Instagram to just be a part of the community. With that, I will chat with you guys in my next podcast episode. Bye.